0: and closing theme is by midnight syndicate for more dark instrumental music like it visit www.midnightsyndicate.com or find them on youtube spotify apple or alexa true crime
1: stories are discussed in this podcast which may contain graphic and disturbing content listener discretion is advised
0: welcome back to freshly brewed noir i'm summer and i'm jennifer and this is episode 23 the doodler it is like we said before, this is from California, hometown. San Francisco.
1: Yeah. Giving you the Cali vibes today. I love California vibes. They're good vibes. Absolutely. But obviously, this case that we're going to talk about. Not good vibes. Not good vibes.
0: No, no. 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 But this but, is a true crime podcast, so that's okay that's what happens
1: here. <laughs> so but before we get started, I want to talk about the documentary that you got me watching.
0: Oh, the Scientology documentary. Yes. With
1: Leah Remini. Yes. Who was actually a part of Scientology for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Since she was a child. And so I'm not finished with it, but I'm about like nine episodes in and it's blown my mind. <laughs> that I told you. This cult was founded from the 50s i believe Mm -hmm. 1950s and it's still active Mm
0: -hmm. to this day i think they have assets upwards of a billion dollars they're a very wealthy organization
1: and you know how they got all that money from all of the people that they have abused and have basically
0: conned Mm -hmm. they sound like a collection agency if you watch the documentary did yes. you get collection agency vibes from them? Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> they're telling them openly, like, hey, we don't have this
0: money. And they're like, oh, you just open a million credit cards. Right. And- we'll do it for you. Give us all your information. We'll open them for you. Take out loans. Take out second mortgages on your home. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. and Strapping these-, these people financially.
1: Yes. And these people, I feel so bad for them because it's like they don't know any other life. They think this yeah. is normal. Yeah. Some people, most people are born into it and they think they're doing something good. Good work. And it takes a certain amount of time for them to realize, like,
0: this is not normal. And Some don't ever realize
1: it. Right. But for them to, first of all, get the courage to leave. Yeah. It takes a lot because they're basically trapped. And threatened. Yes. They're made to, like, feel like they can't leave. Because they're cut off from the world. Mm -hmm. And their family. And their family. If you leave, you will cut off ties with your family. Yeah. And they don't have a normal education. So they are basically taking the risk of being homeless on the street. Right. Because they don't have any, like, real world. they, They
0: don't have any preparation for the real world. And no connections outside of the Scientology community.
1: Yes. And if you leave, you will be declared. And once you're declared, they come after you. So you have to be ready for harassment. Yeah, stalking. Yep. And Mm -hmm. even like any kind of like inconvenience, like you will be followed
0: if you want to go to a restaurant. They try and ruin their lives. They go through your trash. It's crazy. And they are a nonprofit. (laughs) They are tax exempt. (laughs) So all this money, they have so many buildings all Mm -hmm. across the U.S. And even across the world. Clearwater, Florida, the downtown area, I believe.
1: Yes, I'm actually at that episode now when yeah. someone actually passed away in that city.
0: Mm. So I don't know the
1: the meat of everything.
0: But Is this the woman that was walking on the street? Like she took off her clothes? Yes, because, because no she one to would. Be no, nobody would look at her. And she said, I just want somebody to see me.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it's so crazy because you would think that the world would... <laughs> Do something about this. The IRS.
0: Look, if Jennifer or I, if we missed $50 on our tax return, they would come after us. Come on. Like, the IRS doesn't play around. That's why I'm so shocked they are tax exempt.
1: I know. I am, too. Even the FBI. Like, they, it's like they can't do anything. Their hands are tied. And how? Because there are so many people that are willing to talk. If you have not watched the documentary, I highly recommend it because you will get sucked in
0: to how crazy... This story is. I told you, it's baffling to me that nothing can be done or hasn't been done. People are trying. And Leah Remini, she's speaking out about it. And people have actually gone to her for protection after they've left.
1: Yeah, she's a badass. Yes,
0: she is. And so
1: are all the people that are on that show willing to speak out. Because
0: how scary could that be? And speaking out about abuse.
1: Yeah. And a huge cult that has so much money to literally... Silence people. Everything. Mm -hmm. Their motto is... Attack your attackers. Yeah, that's... and so they will come after you. Right. So all of this, <laughs> so Jennifer's is mind blowing to me <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, I have heard of Scientology, but I never did a deep dive into it. All I was like, I know
0: Tom Cruise was a part of it, <laughs> yeah, and that he's was it. Still a part, right? He's still a part of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well... You'll get to you'll get to that part. Yeah, it talks about some of the stars that are still a part of it. Well, but you're not there yet. not, so not no... yet.
1: So I can't really have no. any input there. But it's a great documentary and I still want to know where is Shelley. I googled it yesterday. I was
0: like, where is Shelley? Nobody knows.
1: There are articles that say she is just, you know, not making any public appearances since what, 2012
0: right. or 2008? I can't remember. And is that of her own free will or is that because she can't and she's not being allowed to make any? And that's the question. Yeah. Yeah, Why is she not being allowed to make a public appearance or is she just doesn't want to? I'm worried for her, but I'm glad that she
1: has a friend like Leah who will not stop She's and not is stop. in the public eye. And that's, I think, the the time in which she decided to leave at Tom Cruise's wedding. Mm-hmm. She noticed that Shelley, Shelley wasn't, wasn't there. there. Yeah. And
0: that basically was like a bomb to... Mm-hmm the community and we should say Shelley is married to david miscavige who is the, the leader lead of scientology now so she's the wife of the leader right and used to be very involved and then all of a sudden she just is gone for years yeah so she could be dead we don't know we don't know i but the fbi did say they looked into it and she is fine but doesn't want to speak to anybody
1: which doesn't seem like that is likely, because who wants to be in hiding for that long from the public?
0: You and I both like our, our alone time, our seclusion, but not for
1: Over years. Over a decade. Yes,
0: not for a decade.
1: We hope she's okay, and I'm going to continue to watch the documentary because I'm sucking. It's so in. good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So thank you for introducing me to that. <laughs> now I'm just in the, the black hole. <laughs>
0: <This> <laughs> that is Scientology. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. So <laughs> crazy that this is just still going on. Yeah. They're flying. It's not even like flying under the radar.
0: No, it's out there in the open. They're very public, but it's like they're untouchable. If a little percentage of Scientologists want to come join our coffee cult, they are more than welcome to. It's Absolutely. very safe. We will not be abusing anybody. This is fun. Yeah. yeah.
1: A lot of the people who have left, they said that they felt like, oh my gosh, I can be a part of human society now. Yeah. Like this is what i was looking down
0: upon but oh my god i feel so much better like the lady that could watch tv and go shopping did you get to that part yet where she got she's like i got to go to the store and like pick out my own groceries and watch tv
1: it's such a different way of life yeah and i just am really sad for those people yeah who are who have left who are still living like that and their families are forever damaged Mm -hmm. and affected yeah great documentary Check it out. Golia. Yes. We love her. <laughs> You're a badass. <laughs> and so who is it? Mike? The Isn't one he...
0: who is doing the documentary with her? Yes. He used to be in, he used to be a Scientologist as well. Yes. He was one of the higher ups. Yes. So it's not like just one person left and is doing this documentary. There's multiple people who were at different levels in Scientology and even in the Sea Org, which is like their highest level. That are doing this documentary, talking about it. It gives you a
1: lot of insight in
0: their world. Yeah. Like I told you, I was like, my mind was blown about this. Yes. I'm still... How? Sucked into it. How? The IRS thing, that one just gets me. (laughs) Because you know the IRS is going to get their money somehow. Yes, exactly. Like, how are they not... What? doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So we
1: wanted to share that with you because it's crazy. So now... We're going to bring you, this is different for us, an unsolved case.
0: Have we? We've never done an unsolved case, have we? I don't think so. We usually have some kind of resolution. <gasps> Veliska's <is> unsolved. <laughs> that's true. Villisca is unsolved. The Axe murder case. Yeah, that's unsolved. And the Atlanta Ripper murders. So this is a
1: another one. We're bringing you another unsolved case.
0: And this one was not from like 100 years ago.
1: No, this was from the 70s. I'm ready for it. Okay. So to get into it. In the 1970s, the era of serial killers was rampant with the likes of the Zodiac killer, John Wayne Gacy... Ted Bundy, and Rodney Alcala. So those probably sound familiar to you, right? Very much. But you've probably never heard of the Doodler, because I know I hadn't. Not until you told me about him. He is a serial killer who was active in San Francisco, which at the time in the 1970s was a pretty accepting place to be for the
0: LGBTQ community in terms of the world. Compared to some other places like Midwest, like we talked about in Isler, how Mm -hmm. awful they were towards the gay community.
1: Yeah, but this guy, however, he would take advantage of what seemed to be a more relaxed environment, and he'd solely target gay white men. He'd find his victims in the neighborhoods of Polt Gulch, the Tenderloin, and the Castro. Typically, his M.O. was to meet his victims at bars, sketch his victims' faces on a bar napkin, isolate them by taking them somewhere private to have sex, and then viciously stab
0: and brutalize them. So he would sketch their face while he was... What watching them or he would meet them and be like wow you have a great face you know oh he would just be like sit down let me do your portrait
1: yeah i guess they'd he'd play on their vanity okay right like oh my gosh you're so beautiful let me can i can we talk and i'll draw you do we know if he was a good artist We don't know because his pictures have never been released.
0: Oh, really? So only the FBI has his pictures?
1: Yep. Wow. I wonder why they're not releasing them. That's a good question. I don't know. There's so much that is secret about this case.
0: Samuel Little, you know, he did the portraits of his victims and they're on the FBI's website.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't say Mm. why they haven't released them if they're trying to use that 50 years later. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot later to say, well, interesting. Okay. Right. The doodler would leave his drawings at the scene of the crime as a sort of calling card. But almost 50 years later, the police have not released his sketches. They have released two sketches of what they believe the killer to look like from 1975 and from 2018. So there is an updated one, which they believe it's... Aged enhanced,
0: And so he could be, what, around in his 70s, maybe, if he was in his 20s? Yeah, possibly. Okay.
1: His identity is still unknown, and this case remains cold to this day. As of now, there are five confirmed victims, but it's speculated that the count could be as high as 14 total victims. Hmm. It's hard to say which victims were his because crime was at a high, specifically in 1974, with there being 129 murders in the city that year. The racially motivated zebra murders also occurred during this time. With all of that to account for, it kind of obscures the actual number of murders done by the doodler.
0: Because they're not sure which ones are actually his murders. Exactly. Okay.
1: Now, we mentioned the zebra murders, and I didn't know much about them, so I kind of just want to touch on them a little bit. Okay. These murders were committed from October 1973 to April 1974, By a cult consisting of four black Muslim extremists that were devoted to killing white people. They also called themselves the Death Angels. This string of serial murders left 15 people dead and 8 or 10 wounded, but may have killed up to 73 people since the
0: 1970s. Oh, that's a lot. Wow.
1: They would drive around town looking for victims to abduct and kill. These assaults were brutal and would include rape, being held at gunpoint or shot, and sometimes the victims would even be hacked to death with a machete. I believe I was reading one woman was raped or groped and then was basically almost decapitated because they had hacked her neck so much with a machete. So honestly, that could be an episode in itself because there's so much to that story. The task force organized by the police would communicate... Through the radio exclusively on Channel Z, which inspired the name
0: Zebra, Zebra. Okay.
1: survivors would tell police that the attackers were young Black guys, and it was encouraged that the SFPD stop any Black man that fit the description. That's pretty much a violation of Mm -hmm. people's civil rights, and so the federal court just shot that down. You can't do that. Exactly. The police put out sketches of the suspects and a $300,000 reward
0: One of the accomplices
1: ended up confessing to get the money,
0: which led to four arrests. Wait, so one of the accomplices confessed and they gave him the money?
1: Yes. So he wasn't one of the main four, though. He was just there. Okay, so he
0: saw it happen? Did he participate?
1: He did not actually kill anybody. Okay. No, but he saw it happen. and just watched it happen. Yeah. So if we ever do an episode on it, I'm sure we'll Mm. get into those specifics. Okay. But the significance here is that... This was occurring around the same time as the doodler murders were also happening. And so that's why there wasn't a way to kind of figure out... Differentiate which yeah,
0: one was a doodler killing and which one was a zebra murder. Exactly. Okay.
1: I do kind of want to set the scene. It's important to remember the state of the social climate in these times. It was illegal to be gay and to even dress in a way that may suggest that you would be included in the LGBTQ community people would definitely like suspect
0: you and this was the 70s yes okay
1: if women dressed a bit tomboyish or if men dressed more feminine it was frowned upon and not considered gender appropriate people lost their jobs connections with friends and family and would be harassed if there was like a slight inclination that awful it's crazy to me san francisco was more liberal Because since the 19th century, people were more open to cross-dressing and generally being more gender progressive. But that didn't mean that there weren't still struggles and discrimination happening. Since things were happening in the Tenderloin, I want to note that it was a low-income neighborhood with affordable housing and it was known for its illicit activity. The club scene became integrated into the gay community because it was one of the only places that they felt like they weren't judged. The mainstream media wouldn't cover these murders being that all the victims were gay men and something to remember is that in 1974 the american psychiatric association had just recently stopped classifying homosexuality as a mental disorder (sighs) and since the anti-gay sentiment was set by the press the attitude would continue on into law enforcement and so that's how they would handle it with that attitude when they would go investigate Local LGBTQ media outlets, such as The Advocate and The Sentinel, had to report on these murders. Sodomy was illegal in California until 1976, and police spent a lot of time raiding gay bars, like we've talked about before. Right, in
0: Eiler's case.
1: Yes, and Herb, right? And Herb, you're right. And arresting gay men, despite the city's reputation for tolerance. Police would even entrap gay men... By pretending to prowl the streets for hookups in areas where they knew they would congregate. Acts of violence against the LGBTQ community were all too common as well. Now, this being said, victims would likely not report a crime to the police because, number one, it was illegal, Mm -hmm. which is still insane. Yeah. How, you know, it can be against the law to love who you love as a human, a consenting human. Right. Right. And number two, because you wouldn't be taken seriously and you had so much to lose from outing yourself. Like you could lose your job. Your job, your family, right. Yeah. Victims were more likely to be arrested rather than the assailant. They were more It's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Like you could get arrested just for being yourself and just living in your in your right. truth.
0: So you're assaulted and you go to the police and you're the one that gets arrested. Exactly. Because you're gay. So
1: crazy to me. That's That's so that stupid. is messed up. Yeah. They were more afraid of anti-gay prejudice than the thought of being murdered, and were basically left to their own devices to find ways to defend themselves or find protection. It became common practice for them to form civilian patrol groups that would communicate through walkie-talkies. One I want to mention would be the Butterfly Brigade. They carried whistles, which started the Whistle Movement. And I think that's just so badass of them to rise above those odds that they were given.
0: Yeah. Like, if the police won't help us, we'll do it ourselves. Yeah, we'll protect each other. Mm-hmm. It's
1: And it's, it's still sad. sad. They,
0: yeah, sad that they had to do that. But awesome that they did
1: it. Right. We've seen this pattern when talking about Baumeister and Eiler's episodes. And sadly, we see it again here. That being said, let's talk about where we think these crimes started. The Doodler's victims could be an assortment of these three categories middle-class men, sadomasochists, and drag queens. The violence against drag queens would make it seem like there was a strong hatred towards transgender people, but the attacks done at the upscale bar scene would differ, making it seem like... These were separate killers. So he was inconsistent in his method. Some would be mutilated and others stabbed repeatedly. The only way that they would link these murders together would be the artwork that was left at the scene.
0: Okay, because I was about to ask you, well, how do we know some of them weren't from the zebra killings? But if the artwork was left there, they knew it was the doodler.
1: Yeah. Okay. And it would be so helpful if we could see these images, but I don't know why they're hiding them. Hmm. So let's talk about the first victim. On the early morning of January 24th, 1974, Gerald Earl Cavanaugh's body was found fully clothed and stabbed 17 times, front and back, lying face up on Ocean Beach in San Francisco, California. Wow. Have you ever been That's to brutal. Ocean Beach?
0: I be- yeah, we went to San Francisco in the 80s to visit my uncle. And then after I became an adult, too, me and friends or me and my husband would drive down there. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful place. I love it.
1: He was a Canadian American immigrant, 49 years old, who is believed to be the first victim. It was determined that he was conscious at the time he was killed and attempted to resist his assailant, being that he was found with self defense wounds. When he was first found, he remained unidentified and was named John Doe No. 7 by the medical examiner. When the media did report on this murder, they would exclude the part of him being a gay man. However, later on, the media would begin to call these serial killings the Sado murder horror. And 17
0: times front and back. So that was a brutal attack.
1: Yes, they believed that the doodler would commit rage-filled crimes because he was struggling with his sexuality. Oh,
0: kind of like Eiler. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I believe that if people could accept their sexuality more and would be in a more accepting society, maybe they wouldn't feel this way about themselves and have to resort to these kind of right. things, you know? Yeah. Kavanaugh's body was reported to the police by an anonymous 911 call made at 1.25 a.m. that day. The caller stated that he believed there might be a dead person on the beach, and he thought that he saw somebody lying there, but didn't want to get too close to him. The caller was never identified, but it was discovered that they did use a public phone nearby. The police suspect that this person may have been the doodler himself calling to get attention, but if it's not, they hope the person would come forward to speak with them. The 911 audio of the call has been released in hopes of identifying the caller. Did you want to listen? Let's listen to it, yes. Okay. The date is January 27,
0: 1974. And the time is now 10.30 a.m. We're going to take a portion of the Transmission that occurred last night at approximately 1:25 a.m. That would be 27th of January 1974 at 1:25 a.m. Okay, this is Captain Man. I think. Yeah, I believe there might be a dead person. Um, the beach at uh right across from uh, lowest street. Lowest street. Uh, if you follow the street right down to the water. I
1: was walking along here and I saw somebody lying there. But I didn't want to get too close to, you know, and mm-hmm. I know what could happen. Okay? Did you, you want to give me permission? No, I don't think that's necessary. I just wanted to let somebody know. Maybe he needs help or something. But, um, I felt my duty to report it. Oh, okay. Fine. Uh, let's check it up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So that was the 911 audio from the anonymous caller. If that voice sounds familiar to you, we will give you information on who to reach. There is a tip line that are accepting tips because this case is still active. It's been reopened.
0: Oh, it has. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So. And they don't think that was the doodler?
1: They think it might be the doodler.
0: They do think it was. Okay.
1: Yeah. But if it's not, then they would like that person to come forward.
0: Right. They could have been a member of the LGBTQ community at that time and just didn't want to come forward.
1: Yeah, they could have. That's true. That's true. Because of the social climate at the time, they didn't. If this sounds familiar to you, we will give you that information. So let's talk about the second victim. Joseph J. Stevens was the second victim who was identified. He was 27 years old, 6'2", with luscious hair. He was a drag performer and comedian known to have captivating doe-like eyes. And we're looking at a photo of him. Yeah,
0: beautiful eyes and very luscious hair.
1: Absolutely, yes. He, he looks great. According to his friends and family, he was a kind, a very modest person and was a beautiful woman. His sister states that as a child, he loved to dress up and perform and they would hold fun shows for the neighborhood to come watch. Later in life, he began to perform at Finocchio's, which is a popular club that celebrities such as Marilyn Monroe used to frequent. That was before his time, though. She had passed away prior to him working there. It was famous worldwide for its female impersonators. Jay was an idol, a dreamer, and wanted to do more than drag shows. Sadly, his body was discovered stabbed multiple times, brutalized, and placed along Spreckels Lake in San Francisco oh. on June twenty fifth, 1974. It is believed that He drove himself to the area where he was found with the killer. So they believe that he drove with the killer in the car, but the killer was gone by the time they found his body.
0: And he was stabbed multiple times as well? Yes, he was stabbed
1: and brutalized. The morning of his death, his car was stolen, which resulted in a high-speed chase with police. When they caught the suspect, they determined that he didn't have anything to do with the murder... His sister states that she doesn't remember a police following up with their parents about the investigation. She says yeah. it was very hard to get any
0: information from the police at that time. Oh, what about now? Have they looked into that anymore? They don't so they don't think the person that stole the car was a suspect?
1: No. They they caught the person and they don't
0: They were literally just stealing a car. Yeah. Okay.
1: Klaus Christman was a German American immigrant who was married with children. His body was discovered fully clothed on July 7th, 1974 at Ocean Beach. His attacks seemed more violent than the other two had, as he had more stab wounds and also had multiple slashes on his throat. Mm -hmm. He was found with a makeup tube on his person when he passed, which suggested to police that he may have been closeted. He came to San Francisco to visit his friend Booker and possibly put roots down for his family to move there. His wife received a telegram from his friend to inform her that Klaus had passed away, and he was eventually buried in his native country. I do want to talk about these two officers, because I think that they're amazing people, and they were the investigators that would take on this case. Rotea Guilford and Earl Sanders were two Black officers and partners with the SFPD. I only point that out because at the time, racial tension was still very real, and these officers were well-liked in the city and were known to be good cops. They had a reputation for solving almost unsolvable cases, such as the zebra killings. Oh, so they actually solved the zebra killings? Yes. Okay. They are awesome. Wow. The community felt like they could talk to them. At this point, the zebra murder case was coming to a close, and then the tension from the Zodiac killer was dying down. All of this was going on in San Francisco around that time. Rotia Guilford was the first Black inspector at the SFPD, the first Black homicide detective, and he'd be hired for security for Martin Luther King Jr. when he would come into town. Clearly a leader and a trailblazer. Guilford chose Earl Sanders as his partner, making Sanders the second Black homicide detective at the SFPD. Neither of them were given desks. When they were brought on, they had to bring their own. Oh, God. I know.
0: Seriously. San Francisco in the 70s.
1: I know. I know. Even though though they were more progressive... There are still, obviously, struggles happening here. Yes, obviously. The hostile work environment didn't stop them, and they continued to persevere and become two of the most successful detectives. When they are described, Guilford was known to dress in a three-piece suit, and Sanders was just as nice with an added fedora. Oh, I love a good fedora. Very (laughs) fancy. Love that. When investigating these murders, they discovered a lead about a man who would show up to the club's and would draw guys on a napkin playing on their vanity. Guilford and Sanders would go to these bars, listen to rumors, and what the witnesses had to say. That was when the name of the doodler came to fruition. Something I also want to note is that during this time, they were taking part in a federal class action lawsuit against San Francisco's Civil Service Commission. They were tired of the lack of fairness and sought to bring equality in hiring new police. It set specific goals for hiring women and
0: minorities. Wow, they're amazing. Seriously,
1: yeah, like they are like fighting against the adversity. Mm-hmm. I love that. On May twelfth, nineteen seventy five, the body of Frederick Elmer Capen, age thirty two, was discovered in San Francisco. He was an artist, a U.S. Navy vet, and served during the Vietnam War. Sadly, he had an abusive childhood and left his family, which led to him joining the military. Capin was a war hero and saved four Marines during his service. He accumulated many awards, including one of the highest accolades, a Medal of Valor. He left after four years of service and wasn't openly gay. When he did come out, it wasn't well received, so he moved to San Francisco to become a nurse. When crime started to escalate, he told his family that he was going to relocate to Washington, but he never made it there. Aww. He had been stabbed multiple times in his heart, and disturbances in the sand determined that his body was moved approximately 20 feet from where he was originally killed. Hmm. So, why was it moved? We don't know if maybe the assailant had raped the victim and maybe left some DNA there, and maybe that's why he moved the body. Hmm, so that to hide
0: evidence?
1: Possibly. But they weren't using DNA at that time. That's true. So, we don't really know why, but we, we suspect happened. that, you know, maybe he was like, let me not risk anything. And then
0: finding anything. Right. So I'll just move the body. Wow. Okay. Did they find anything? No.
1: Harold Goldberg was a Swedish-American immigrant, a working seaman, and he was 66 years old. So much older than the previous victims. His body was found on June 4th, 1975, about two weeks after his death in Lincoln Park. His body was decomposed when found. His underwear was taken, and his pants were unzipped. So, some
0: of the previous victims—it sounds like—they were fully clothed, and then some are not.
1: Yeah, he was inconsistent with
0: and then his methods. Some are older, some are younger. Yeah,
1: so it's hard to tie down a victim profile. The only thing that they possibly had in common was that they were they were gay, and then they were sketched. Those two things. Yes. Okay. His murder seems inconsistent but it's believed that he was the final victim of the doodler. Harold? Yes. Okay. Harold Goldberg. In July of 1975, there were two men attacked separately at an apartment complex in San Francisco. One of the victims that survived was recovering in a hospital bed from several stab wounds and a pierced lung. The police would get the description of the doodler and would be able to create a sketch of what the assailant looked like. The description was as follows. Late teens to early 20s, slim build and lanky, long face, about six feet tall, and an African-American male. In 1977, the San Francisco police revealed that they had been speaking to a suspect for a year but never confessed to the crimes. Three possible victims of the doodler refused to testify because it meant coming out and they were terrified of revealing themselves. It's believed that these were high-profile people. One was a celebrity. Another was a diplomat, possibly from Europe.
0: Police couldn't build a case without their testimony. What kind of information did they have? They were victims? They survived attacks. Oh, wow. Yes. They would not testify.
1: Nope, because they were so scared about what would happen to their reputation. In 2019, police confirmed that the man was still alive and still a person of interest.
0: So just three years ago. What? Yes. Mm, (laughs) That's great. Yes. He's still alive, walking around. Yes. But why haven't they done anything? They just don't have enough evidence against him? I mean, they have DNA.
1: There is nothing solid that is...
0: No DNA from any of the... What? And none of the people that were previously attacked and survived would come out now about it?
1: Yeah, they're still not wanting to come out. Wow. Activist Harvey Milk publicly expressed empathy for the victims who refused to speak with the police stating, I understand their position. I respect the pressure society has put on them. He elaborated that the three men likely feared damaging relationships with family and in the workforce, citing that he believed 20 to 25 percent of 85,000 gay men in San Francisco were closeted about their sexualities.
0: And this was in the 70s, late 70s still. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that number insane? Yeah. As they couldn't come out. They could get arrested. Yeah. They could get arrested. It's just abuse. I mean, there's just a lot of reasons why they couldn't be honest about it. Exactly.
1: I've been watching a lot of Queer Eye, as you know.
0: Such a great show.
1: It's an amazing show, and it's really about like uplifting people and about acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I really wish there was something like that back then. You know, yeah. for people to feel okay about their sexuality and you know not have to feel like they had to hide it. To be accepted and to not lose their family and to not... I mean, things are obviously not perfect now, but I wish there was something to make people feel better.
0: I know. Our youngest son talks about how there are some kids that um, their families are not accepting of their sexuality. And that's just sad to me.
1: It is. I I really hate that. That They can't even feel like they can be themselves with their
0: family. I know. The people that should be the closest to you, right? Exactly. Exactly
1: i know that you would always accept
0: i would (laughs) i welcome it you do you do i know i've told you my son
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes he's uh, he's
0: like feels like he's disappointing i I know he goes i feel like if i tell you i'm not gay i'll disappoint you (laughs) I was like, no, did I go too far that way?
1: <laughs> I no, I mean, you're just so accepting and you don't, you don't want them to have any in- inkling right. of feeling that way. Yeah, I don't they want them to ever can't. feel like they
0: couldn't be whoever they want to be, love who they want to love. Yes. We need more humans like you out here, here in this world. Wow. Whatever they decide is, I support it. I, they will not disappoint me if they come out as straight.
1: <laughs> come out as straight? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about this plot twist. Okay. In 1977, the San Francisco Sentinel reported that a local psychiatrist had informed the police that one of his patients had confessed to being the doodler. Yet nothing ever came from this, and no arrests were ever made.
0: Now, is that like the patient confidentiality yes. being an issue? So they, but why? Well, they told somebody.
1: Yeah, he broke that confidentiality. But
0: then he didn't say the name. He just said, well, I think I know who the doodler is, but that's as far as I'm going to go with breaking my oath. That's so stupid.
1: (laughs) Seriously. It's like, you might as well just tell us everything. Yeah, you've already messed up, right? So the doctor reported that his patient was struggling with his own sexuality and was killing in response to his own feelings. That
0: sounds like it could be.
1: Oh, did my voice just crack there? I don't know. I'm (laughs) way past puberty. (laughs) I didn't hear it crack. Okay. In 2019, it was discovered that the police apparently had no idea who the psychiatrist was. They asked the community (laughs) for any information on this doctor who they believed to have the surname Priest. At Highland Hospital. So Officer Guilford had wrote down the name priest, Mm -hmm. because I guess that's the name they gave over the phone. But when they tried to follow up on that, there were no leads. And so that's the only thing they had to go off of.
0: So that could have been a fake name, an alias they used.
1: Or it could have been the wrong name. It could have been misheard. Oh, okay. And maybe just something similar.
0: Right. So they're looking for priest.
1: Maybe it could be something else.
0: Priestly?
1: (laughs) I think, so I was listening to the Doodler podcast, which we'll talk about later. You have a podcast about him? Yes. A San Francisco journalist started a podcast about the investigation on the Doodler. Oh. And there, that's okay. kind of what has started this investigation again. And
0: reopened it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, but he says that what possibly the name could be
0: Priests. Priest, Okay. Instead of Priest. Did they look into that? They are actually looking into that, but nothing has come so from it So we yet. could have answers in this decade, Jennifer.
1: Possibly. Possibly. This could be like the Golden State Killer. Oh,
0: yeah. Especially with DNA. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Serial killers, watch out. Heck yeah, we're... All you 70s, 80s serial killers. ...gonna be exposed. Uh-huh. Unfortunately,
1: trying to follow up on that information or that name would prove fruitless since anything before the 1990s was purged with the police department... But it's believed that this patient's identity is known, however... Purge, they just
0: got rid of everything? Like, we're cleaning house, we're doing the Marie Kondo thing, and it doesn't bring us joy anymore, let's toss it out? I guess so, yeah. They just... Everything before the 90s got done. Yes. Oh, well, <laughs> that doesn't seem legal.
1: <laughs> That's what happened. Wow. I don't know if there was some kind of, like, electronic database that maybe they tried to scan stuff into, but anything paper, I think they got rid of. Hmm. So we don't know. I don't know about their preservation tactics. So they just
0: took a stack and like, well, we'll should we scan this? Eh. Like, these are old Toss. cases. Oh, that's a bummer because they probably lost a lot of really great information. Yeah. Is that why we don't see the pictures? Because they trashed them. That I don't know, actually. (laughs) They're like, we don't want to release anything, (laughs) you know. We're keeping all this evidence under wraps, but really they they threw it away. It's a possibility,
1: especially (laughs) since they won't say anything about the pictures. So I don't want to say for sure that they are purged, but they haven't been released, so we don't know anything else. I think they got tossed.
0: In the big spring clean of 1990. Yikes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But like I said before, it's believed that this patient's identity is known However, since there's no hard evidence linking him to the murders, and since questioning the subject, the murders have
0: stopped. Is that a coincidence? Wait. So as soon as they started questioning this person, the murders stopped? Yeah. Oh, that is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. And they, you know, they questioned this person, but they haven't released their identity. So, so
0: we don't the, know who so this person they're is. they're just living their life in San Francisco? Just walking on the pier. Oh, just wait,
1: girl. Oh. Just, just you wait. <laughs>
0: just enjoying that clam chowder and that <laughs> bread bowl on the daily. Living their good life. Oh.
1: Their best life.
0: Like the Golden State Killer. Mm. Mowing his lawn. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: So after the case went cold, Guilford and Sanders had no choice but to move on to investigating other active cases. Yeah. In 1978, Rotea Guilford was appointed to lead a council on criminal justice reform which very cool and Earl Sanders would continue to work as a homicide detective with a new partner and then Sanders would later become the chief of police for the SFPD
0: they were amazing so good amazing for trailblazers them. yes
1: yes I I mean they're awesome and but they're deceased now
0: rest in peace to two amazing detectives absolutely
1: the white night riots occurred shortly after this in May of 1979, any progress that was happening with the LGBTQ rights was now at an impasse. If you have not heard of these riots, this was a series of violent events that occurred after politician Dan White assassinated San Francisco Mayor George Moscone and Harvey Milk, who was a member of the city's board of supervisors, and was
0: the first openly gay elected official in the U.S. Like, you're so mad that a gay man. Is in a position of power that you're going to murder him?
1: How does that Terrible. affect your life? I've right. I, oh. I never, I've never understood no. why people... You can disagree with whatever. But
0: why do you care what somebody else is doing? Why does that make their... you
1: feel like they? you need to be violent and kill someone?
0: I don't understand that mindset. It's you just... don't either. We'll never understand that.
1: We never will. We're no. We're not like that. But... To me, that's always bothered me. Why do you... Why does someone else's sexuality bother you? Right. Or who they love? Why does that bother you? I don't get it. If it doesn't affect you at all. Yeah. And also, the AIDS and HIV epidemic took the U.S. by storm in 1981. So, like, all of these crazy events that happened in the nation basically pushed the doodler murders to the side. So they're just kind of forgotten about. Okay. Okay. The SFPD held a press conference in February 2019 to announce that they were reopening this cold case. Investigator Cunningham is looking at this case presently and had the case reopened. Good for him. I know. For her. Who is it? Investigator Cunningham. Cunningham, it, okay. Yeah, he's okay. a dude. Go Cunningham. DNA evidence has been submitted and is being tested from the crime scenes from back then. He has interviewed this same suspect or person of interest. Uh-huh. That Guilford and Sanders found to be their main person of interest. Mm-hmm. And who was also the patient of the psychiatrist who was called in. Ooh, okay. So what happened? Well, I mean, still nothing solid. He interviewed him, obtained his DNA. As of now, there is no secondary DNA that's matched up.
0: Mm.
1: When he was interviewed in 1970, he was dating a woman, but is now living as a gay man. So he fits the profile. He does. He does. I don't know if you can really confirm anything from that, just because so many people we we heard the stats, mm-hmm. so many people were closeted at that time. So,
0: but were they also going to a psychiatrist and confessing to killings? <laughs> well, we
1: <laughs> that's, well, that's a good point, right?
0: That's very interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, that piqued my interest for sure. There is a lead on identifying who the psychiatrist was. We talked about that a little bit with the priest's mm-hmm. name. They believe he has passed away, though, but are hopeful in finding records on his past patients just
0: to maybe have
1: confirmation.
0: Unless he did the same thing the police department did in 1990 and just threw everything out. We hope not. (laughs) (laughs) We hope not.
1: Another incident has come to light that they believe is the work of the doodler. Warren Andrews, 52 years old, was attacked in April of 1975. He had served in the Navy as a merchant marine, and afterwards he was a lawyer. A passerby found him when he was still alive. He was hit with blunt force trauma to the head, attacked brutally with a tree branch and a rock. After two years of being in a coma, he passed away. He wasn't stabbed, but since his family has given reason to believe that he may have been gay, and this attack happened around the same time, but prior to the last victim... Goldberg. Okay. It seems like this may be connected. So they are basically trying to just look at old cases that were never solved and maybe. Which could have been
0: Doodler cases.
1: Yeah. Okay. Kevin Fagan is a journalist with the San Francisco Chronicle. He has produced an eight part series podcast focusing solely on the Doodler and is getting the story more exposure. He interviews the victims' families and works with investigators to really deep dive and get the details of the crimes and the stories of the victims out there. It's a very well done podcast, very informative. I recommend it if you're wanting to know more about this story. Yeah. He really goes into those interviews and gives more detail than
0: we do. Yeah, I may have to check this one out.
1: Oh, yeah. I finished this it kid. in like a day. So. That's awesome. <laughs> you can binge it easily the police are currently offering a reward of $100,000 for anyone that can identify the person in the police sketch from 1975. And they've also included the aged enhanced sketch from 2018. So we'll post that to our Instagram and Facebook,
0: our social media, so that, you know, you can take a look. Because they suspect he is still alive. Yes, they do. Do they think he's in the San Francisco area still? Yeah, they do. What? Yes. They do suspect that. So maybe your California peeps can. Oh, I'm going to send this to all the cousins. (laughs) All of them.
1: Keep an eye out. Yeah. And like we said before, with the 911 call, if that voice sounded familiar to you, you can contact 415-570-9299. That's the tip hotline
0: for any leads. That's great that they've reopened it.
1: I know they're like on a mission. Yes. Like we're going to get some justice here. Yeah. So I love that. They're trying to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, hopefully he will be caught like the golden state killer was caught many decades after he had stopped murdering. Heck yeah. He, and he was so awful. Uh, He was
1: terrible. Yeah. But Paul holes and all of his people, they, they got him. (sighs) Well, so hopefully this case will have the same results. I hope so. Cause they all the victims deserve justice and yeah, their families. Their families, exactly. So we do
0: have some shout outs. Oh yes, we do, that's right. From reviews. Yes. Do you wanna give some shout outs, girl? Yes, I do. Okay, let's let's do it. We wanna thank SK eighteen eighty five and credit genius. Thanks for the sweet reviews. Keep them coming. Yes. If you guys want to leave us reviews, we will totally shout you out. Yes. We love five stars. Just, you know, if, you, if you're wondering. <laughs> Those are our faves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we want to shout out Andy. He
0: has joined our coffee cult. Is that like six now? How many do we have? I think so. Yes. Wow. We need to keep a We need to keep better track of our <laughs> coffee cult. See, this is why we're no threat, you guys. <laughs> we I don't know. even know how many we have. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but we're gonna get on it in twenty twenty two. We will, yes. Mm-hmm. So a roo, thanks for joining. Welcome. Yes. Hobbies. And if you haven't heard our previous episodes, why is he a roo, Jennifer? Because Coldbrew we or brew isn't our is our initiation name. Right. So we drop the suffix of your name and give you roo for yeah. cold brew. So he's so Andy is a roo.
1: I know it sounds like a
0: Disney name, but but we're a happy coffee cult. So it's, <laughs> everything is positive. There's there's no brutality. No. No, no, no. we won't take your money. No. Uh, but if you want to support us when we have a Patreon, of course, you know. Oh, that's yeah. Fine, but...
1: That will be like the official coffee cult, right? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> cult members. We'll see the ones that really care. <laughs> So our next episode is Pedro Rodriguez. Good, because I forgot which one I was doing next. And I'm like, Jennifer's going to be so annoyed that <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know which one I'm doing.
1: Next. Don't worry. I have a calendar, a I I Google know, calendar, I know, which
0: I haven't even gone in and accepted the link yet. So. Like, oh, my gosh. I and mean, she's going to be so annoyed with me saying, what's my next one? But never that's that, right. Never Pedro that. Rodriguez. He's our Dexter, isn't he? Oh, my gosh. I've been waiting for this one. Okay. Because even
1: though I've heard about this, I
0: forgot all the details. I will get and you so details. So when we
1: dive into this one, mm-hmm. it's going to be crazy.
0: This this one is, I think, going to be really interesting and very, I think, gory because i think there's a lot of yes i think there's even like a violation. sacrifice in there yeah it's it's pretty bad like a ritual sacrifice yes so pedro be a first for us yes it will we haven't done any ritual sacrifices
1: and self-proclaimed vigilantes
0: we haven't done one of those yet have we i don't think so he's our first okay yes so i'm excited for that right, one I'll try and do it justice check out our tiktok if you haven't checked out our tiktok <laughs> We have we have more coming your way. We, we do. We have a ton. Yeah. We have recorded some over the last couple weeks, so we're getting ready to release them. Yes. We're fun on there. Oh, we're fun on there, yes. We try and keep our IG a little more serious and, and noir. <laughs> we do. We but do. TikTok, we do whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. We do the more silly stuff. <laughs> we do. So if you want to see more of our like personality, that's us.
0: <laughs> Is that us? <laughs> yes. Except there's one where... I push you. And I would never do that in real life.
1: Well, that's true. We got to You know, we got to... Sometimes you got to do it for the TikTok.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't take it personal. Yeah, so Jennifer was... A disclaimer. Jennifer was not hurt in the making of any TikTok, <laughs> so you should know that. <laughs> uh,
1: all right. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. Until next time. Stay caffeinated. Get hobbies, And don't
0: murder people. <laughs> <laughs>